0: I need freedom. I need to be me. I need to be alive again. And I just need out.
1: Hello, and welcome to Reclaim Your Radiance, a podcast where we discuss the most intimate parts of the human experience. Let's take a deep dive into self-love, sexual pleasure, and absolutely everything in between. I'm your host, Chris Hall, and each week, we will be joined by one fabulous friend, and sometimes that friend will just be me, to talk about how we can all become our most radiant selves. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Reclaim Your Radiance. Today, we are sitting down with the wonderfully well-spoken Dr. Gina, a 37-year-old woman, mother, chiropractor, acupuncturist, teacher, you name it, from Wisconsin. She is an absolute beauty and a wonder, and I have had an amazing time getting to know her on a deeper level. Her story has lots of twists and turns, and she has so much insight to share with us all on parenting and alternative medicine, on finding yourself after major life changes. I am so excited for you to meet her. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Good. Good to be here. I wanted to start today's episode with something that somebody recently offered up to me as an alternative to oh, hey, how are you? Which we always respond to, oh, good. And like, it just doesn't (laughs) actually answer the question. And they used, how does it feel to be you and in your body today?
0: Ooh, Mm. (laughs) at home and at peace.
1: Mm -hmm. Lovely, I can see that. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. So I'm imagining that it's taken- That, that always, that hasn't always been the case, right? If somebody asked you that, like, can you think back to a time when somebody would have asked you that question and it wouldn't have had that same answer?
0: Mm. Right. Okay. So in my 37 years of life, most of those years has been a journey and there's so much to say about that, but yeah, there's so much that, you know, comes up that probably still has to find this place of settling and, um, and full resolve, but where I am today doesn't reflect that where I was. So yeah, is there so much to unpack with that?
1: Yeah, that's fair. It's a very very large question. <laughs> um, so where can we start? Where's sure. where's a good place to kind of start that journey? Kind of unpack from? that. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like how did I go from there to where I feel now? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it really goes back to early childhood not early, early childhood, but I had grown up in a family of five and I had two older sisters. And I just think when you are the youngest sibling, you have a spidey sense. You're observing so much more of your sister's worlds than they are yours, but um, in a different way. And so I feel like I was always a little bit more sensitive to their comments or the criticism around me. And I started to notice that people would have comments about my body when I was, I don't know, third grade, second grade. Wow. And yeah, it was uh it I remember feeling I would this sounds really weird, but I would be like in the bathroom, right? Like, cause that's where you like see yourself when you're a kid, you, other, you otherwise you don't really think of your body that much, unless somebody says something you're in the bathroom and I'd like sit down on the toilet. <laughs> and like, I would see like my rolls, I would have like some rolls on my stomach and I'd be like, I don't, maybe I don't think my sisters have those. And maybe that's what they're talking about. It was just like, kind of cr- trying to understand what people were saying about me and, and finding my place within it. So it goes real far back to, yeah, second grade, third grade, where I was starting to become more conscious of what people were saying and then identifying, finding my identity within that, um, had no one said anything. I don't think I would have cared, but then I, I was infusing other people's ideas into what I felt about myself.
1: Hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so young. That's the the thought I have just running around my head is just, that is so young. How can that happen to a seo?
0: It's crazy. And so I have my little girl, so I have a nine-year-old and it's just like in my essence to protect her at all costs, and if anything comes across in that way, just like how do I shield her? And I get it, you can't protect your kids from everything, but I am going to do my best to teach her, you know, coping strategies if that ever does happen, and just be her motivational speaker the best I can because it was such a journey to where to become who I am today, and like have that comfort. And I really appreciate that question of like. I get the willies just thinking about it. Like that first question of like, you know, how do you feel in your body right now? Because it has been such a part of like my existence on this earth, which is crazy. It's it's just crazy.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's just our vessel, you know, it's just what's holding our soul and our mind and stuff all in there. And we put so much meaning behind it and we evaluate each other based on it. And it's just (sighs) insane.
0: Oh my gosh. Right. It's our meat suit. That's what I say now. I'm just like, yeah. it's our meat
1: suit. It yeah. carries our soul. And I mean, there's
0: some more to that that we can say, but I mean, if you simplify it, it really is just a meat suit.
1: Right. I mean, it's intelligent and it, you know, can connect to your soul and it can show you stuff and all that stuff. Yeah. it's your, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like the meat suit. <laughs> I mean, different from Lady Gaga's meat suit, but you know, totally. Or back to the early 2000s.
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That was a little different.
1: Yeah. That was an
0: actual meat suit. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Insane. Um, So from that young age, when Mm -hmm. you're starting to have these comments come towards you, what Mm -hmm. happened after that? What, Mm -hmm. what did that evolve into?
0: Right. So some things that just stand out as like memorable to me is that my mom did do what she could to shield me and I remember her scolding my sisters, if they ever said comments, like I was fat, because that, compared to the other two sisters, I did carry more weight. And that, I mean, that was just fact, but to create the judgment around it is what I see today as being like where that problem lies. And I, um, and so my mom would stand up for me. So I felt safe with her to a degree. And then When I got older, I just feel like that was a consistent theme within the household, um, hearing those comments more consistently and, or that was my perception of it anyway. And I remember I was a swimmer and I was in swim team and my neighbor girl, she was also in swim team with me. And I remember that there was these things called spaghetti feeds. And before a swim meet, you would go to a swimmer's house, and their family would host a spaghetti feed. It was kind of like carb loading. Wow! And right, and people would eat like eat so much food as if like you're maybe swimming a small race the next day, right? You're just like eating all of this food, and I you left feeling so full. And I remember the neighbor girl saying. That she had thrown up her food, uh huh, and um, I that stuck in me. I was thinking like I had already been introduced to those concepts a little bit of oh, that's the way people deal with you know it was definitely a, a eating disorder, and it was a way for uh, it stuck in my head that she did that, and so I went home one day. I don't know if it was that spaghetti or different spaghetti. It just sounds funny. I'm saying spaghetti feed. And I went home and I remember going to the bathroom and trying to do that. Hmm. And when I was trying to do that, um, my sister opened the door and it, <laughs> it was just such like a big moment of like, mom, come in here. And here I am like, kind of trying to throw but not actually knowing how. And yet still like the thought process around it is super, you know, it's just, it's wrong. It's sad that uh, anyone would want or feel the need to even try that. I shouldn't say wrong. Yeah, it is wrong. But so from there, my mom like took it the next door. She's like, you have an eating disorder. We're going to get therapy. Let's go. And there was so much more embedded in my story than that event. So when mm-hmm. we went to therapy and this woman tried to talk with me, she went to talk with my mom about how she thought like she was relating to this issue or whatever. And my mom wanted nothing to do with it. And so she we stopped going. And it was mm-hmm. just like this quick fix almost to you know i got to do the right thing i'll bring my daughter in this is what we do and and the therapist started pointing her fingers kind of at her a little bit but i don't know how that all went it's just kind of how my brain wraps around it because she wasn't really happy leaving that place the the place i remember and we never went back so i never felt like i got actual support or help and you know god bless my mom for trying to do that but i don't know she maybe didn't know have all the tools either but that story kind of continued with me. And thankfully I didn't develop a full-blown eating disorder in terms of anorexia or bulimia, but I definitely went down the alleys of, I've got to be very cautious of the things I eat um, or have, have um, kind of chapters in my life. Like I didn't like stay like that for three years, but it would be you know, for a month or so, I'd be like super cautious of the things I'd eat, or I would exercise a certain way, or I'd buy some books on a lot of body image type uh, books to help me align with what I thought was beautiful or the right body to have, because I had felt like I had always been told that's the wrong body to have that. Now it's like, you've got to find out how to have the right body. And then people won't say those things or, you won't. You'll be loved, or whatever. I don't know fully what was always underneath it, but I imagine there's some, you know, deeper belief systems underneath that I never really uncovered.
1: Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the idea and like even the vocabulary that still comes up of right body and wrong body. It's right? just right. That's so ingrained totally. in all of us, and like right? these, oh, these magazine covers and just everything that we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It. it I, I don't. I like to think that it's
0: changing Mm -hmm. um, for this generation that my kiddos are in, who's nine and I have my stepdaughters who's 10 and another one who's seven, but I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I haven't quite seen enough to fully have an opinion about that, but I I just remember feeling like it was pretty bad at the time when I was growing up Mm -hmm. and that's when like teen beat (laughs) And like all of these, you know, yeah, exactly (laughs) would come out and you would see what was seen as the ideal or popular, not even ideal, just popular. And it's like, oh, that, that is liked. That is what is ideal. That is, you know, so, but within that, what is interesting is I always felt deep down that really wasn't where my worth would lie. And I was tricking myself and doing a really good job of it
1: Hmm.
0: that that is because when I did end up reconnecting home, it was like, you were always there. You just covered it up.
1: Hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think made you want to cover it up? Not knowing it was there,
0: not knowing that that was um, such a sacred part of my being and what, what was, is to be asked of me in life. No one really. Reinv- I mean, I grew up religious, so in some ways they'd talk about like the light in you. But if somebody really educated me on, you know, that feeling inside, like that's you, and how do we? That's what we need to express in life, and those things that feel so true to you, you know, that's what we want to see. I don't really care about all that other stuff, you know. I, I I think there's a lot of education that needs to be like almost charted within Mm. that field, which hence part of my podcast, Um, not to plug that, but um, within raising children and bringing to light the stuff that really, I think can make changes in our world.
1: Yeah, wow. I mean, I I do want to talk about the podcast, but I also, like, I'll save it for a little bit later because I also wanted to ask you, having had this experience and then did it show up at all when you were pregnant? Did it kind of come into your sphere when your body started changing in that way? So I've been pregnant twice and
0: the first time I was pregnant, I would say that it did much more than the second time. And to the first time it was like all of the messaging around (laughs) what you saw pregnancy in the world was people are getting pregnant and then they're back to their perfect bodies six weeks later. And I knew that that wasn't on some level. I mean, I knew on many levels that that wasn't everyone's journey, but I also had it in me as like, maybe that could be my journey still. And I knew the importance of staying active during pregnancy. So I made sure to do that. Um, And I did my best to embrace that, like, the beauty of changing with growing a life and those transformations that took place became so much more, they started to really like take over me and connect again, back into that part of me. That is just my soul, that undeniable part of me that feels so true to me. And then that all just like combusted into such a, A bigger part of me. But I I will say that at first it was like, oh gosh, I'm going to call this the fat and fertile stage. Oh, what is this? Like, I I don't know how to, you know, not always handle that on the front end, but especially because I wasn't married, I wasn't in what I felt like the super safe. I mean, he was a lovely man, but like the safe container of this unconditional love where, where I am today. And Yeah. So just like the maturity and the second time I got pregnant, it was um, just such a different experience. It was just like, bring it on whatever changes need to happen. And, you know, there's a eight or seven year time difference too.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that'll make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like the partners that you were with during both really made a huge difference as well. Yeah. You know, partners, they talk about that being like a
0: mirror for you and, just amazing people to journey through life and kind of do a lot of your own healing with. Um, And I experienced a lot of that in my life. I've had a few long-term relationships and it's interesting because a lot of the validation that I would subconsciously seek from these partners had to do with like, is my body acceptable? (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: it's just... And that it wouldn't be like this, it was fleeting, you know, it wasn't always like what I like stood by, but it was there sometimes. And I just really just, I feel sad for any woman who has to, or man, anyone, any person who even has that cross by their mind, just this wasted time. And I, yeah, I just know that there's safe relationships out there that make you feel loved in any form that you are, but I, the key is you have to feel that first within you to even accept that from them, even if they want to be the safe, loving container.
1: Yes. Right. You accept the love you think you did or that you, Yeah. yeah, that you think you deserve. Right. Yeah. But like, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely still have days too, like that, where I you know, I gained a couple extra pounds over Christmas or something. And all of a sudden I don't feel as comfortable. And all of a sudden, yeah, you like have a yeah. moment of self-doubt where you're like, am I still worthy of this person? Are they still going to find me attractive? And that's like, it's right. If you're, if you're vibrating at like your higher frequencies, that never crosses your mind, but you have mm-hmm. those low points for sure.
0: Yeah. That's interesting because there is that line of healthy versus like, oh, I've gained a couple of pounds and I feel gross about myself. Like I can still gain weight and feel healthy and that doesn't bother me. But if I'm like gaining like weight off of like a bunch of crap, mm-hmm. I just don't feel good any, either way. So I know I need to clean something up and that's been, that's a difference. There's a difference in my mind on that.
1: Yeah, there definitely is. And mm-hmm. it, but being able to recognize that, right. It is yeah, it's a whole other ball game.
0: Totally. And it, I mean, I just immediately think like, how do you even teach kids that? Like, that's such a journey. Like so much of this is such a personal journey and like what it feels like to
1: feel good in your body.
0: And yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's the obvious ones that I would think of, of like, if you're feeling bloated, if you're feeling like, oh, like today I had, like, I don't eat gluten at the moment and, or I haven't for a long time now. And I was kind of afraid that that was what was happening, but realistically what it was is that what I was eating was deep fried. Even though it was deep fried with chickpea right. flour, yeah. I started feeling awful. And I yeah. knew immediately it was the food. And right. right, like I feel icky in my body because of like, I put something icky in it, right? right. You already what you yeah. eat and all that kind of stuff. And like, that really helps you inform that on right. some level.
0: Right, right. No, I, I'm right there with you on that. Um, and it, to, te- to learn all those concepts and- unpack them while you're going through so many changes in your body when you're young. It's just, it's a task. You have so much going on. You're overloaded more as a teenager than you are probably any other time in your life. It's just, it's, it's incredible.
1: So what are, what are you doing? I'm sure you're doing so much because you said you were like so worried and you're being like all mama bear and, and trying to like shelter your kids from the same sort of um, stuff that happened to you. But what would you say is your like main strategies that you've been using?
0: You know, I I never really like pinpointed what they were. So it's gonna take me a minute. First and foremost is if we're ever changing together or in the bathroom, I will only make body positive comments or just objective comments even, not even with judgment, just, and she had, my daughter had been told or had reported back to me that a girl had said, it's really good to be thin, to be really skinny. And there were so many things that came off in me that I just, I just, I was like, okay, how do I handle this? I was like, really? Oh, huh, That's weird. I wonder why she'd say that. Like almost like surprised. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And she's like, yeah. And she said that, you know, she was skinnier, thinner than me. And I and then you know, I don't know. I just thought I'm like, oh, you're just, you're, you know. And that's when I reinforce like, oh my gosh, you, you're whatever size you are. Like you're perfect the way you are. And then I bend over, and she's like, but I've got this roll. I'm like, look at me. So do I. And I bend over, and I'm like, here's mine. I'm like I'm so glad I have that. Did you know that if you don't have any fat, like, and you didn't eat for a while, like, you get really hungry. Like I don't know. I just tried to make it like kind of some stories that she could relate to and make it be like, you should love whatever you got. And that goes with her height. Like she's taller than her friends and she's a little self-conscious on that. So I imagine that could be a similar concept for her that something she feels she can't control. And it's just like, well, we're gonna have to learn how to love how we were made. And it kind of goes back to that. I remember when I was young, my mom would make comments um, about like, figure skaters or she was in the changing room and she would make comments about herself like, oh, I wish I had skater arms or legs. She overall had really positive body messaging for the most part, but those ones would stick with me. And maybe because my filter was always like already on that, like there's something good versus something was bad.
1: Yeah. And I feel like the changing room is a very self-conscious place for a lot of us (laughs) for a long time, right? Like it takes a lot of personal work to like walk into a change room and be like, all right, let's do it. Right. And so I think your mind is already there. And so those comments you would remember quite starkly.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. And as a parent, you don't know what's hitting or what's landing and when it is, but you definitely knew when you were a kid, what was hitting and what was landing.
1: Absolutely. And then there's Mm -hmm. those like slight memories that like come back to you and it just in a flash of like, Oh, I remember when this specific thing happened, your parent looks at you like 20 years later and they're like, Oh my God, you remember that? I wish you didn't. I, I repressed that. And you remember this. (laughs) Oh no. Totally. I mean, and that's like that saying of
0: you'll remember what, how people made you feel, not necessarily what people made you, you know, what they said to you. Mm
1: -hmm. So people
0: could say amazing messaging, uh, although that kind of ties into it, but it's like, it made you feel something. So you remembered it.
1: Mm-hmm. So on the, on the topic of kind of partners and partner support, and mm-hmm. we've, we've traveled past there a bit, but I wanted to go back and you've mentioned to me in the past that you have had really powerful moments of realizing that a partner wasn't right for you and that they weren't supporting you in the ways that you needed. Would mm-hmm. you be able to kind of elaborate on how that process went for you and like what it was able to give you after you kind of passed it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I can. So first and foremost, I want to say that uh, tribute to all of these people I have been partnered with because they have helped me on this journey to finding myself and to fall in love falling in love with myself. Um, You know, right? You co create with someone at the level you're at in some regard. So in hindsight, there's just so much gratitude towards these people who journeyed with me and. One of the people that really stands out to me is somebody I was engaged to. And I remember he's a great man and he, he lived a very a very perfect life. And so I was like it proje- I projected onto myself all of this stuff of like, well, I I should fit into this perfect life. Instead of just kind of being me and who I am now, I was like, you know, making sure I was putting myself into these boxes. At the time, I could, I had I had been more brave, I wouldn't have done that, obviously. Um, and then I would have been more brave to hear, like, maybe how he actually would have thought about things or felt about things because I had this perception that he wanted me to appear a certain way or look a certain way. And I don't know if that's actually true, but at the time, it felt like that. And so, I would put myself together in a certain way thinking this is the thing that I need to do. And then over time, it was like, it just isn't feeling right. But, and, and I need it out. <laughs> and, and so instead of it actually ha- us having these vulnerable moments where I would be able to have this like true raw conversation, I was making up a lot of stories, I think in my head about what it actually was, because maybe these people would have been able to support me more then I'm giving them credit. I just knew that I started to have these awakening moments within myself and they were kind of along for the ride. I never really had. (sighs) So yeah, so that was my engagement. And I remember having this moment of like, I need freedom. I need to be me. I need to be alive again. And I just need out. And so I'm really glad I did make that step and make that change. But again, I feel like, part of it is just more these expectations I thought were part of his, but it was just maybe in my head. There were a couple of relationships though, where, um, with men that they would make all these comments about these women. And so I would immediately be like, well, then I need to be like that. (laughs) rather than, um, I can just be, I mean, that's so different than what I'm now right now. I'm just like, Oh, great. Yeah. That person is beautiful. I don't care who that person is, but the time it was like, well, that means I have to do that. And, and I really did feel that way, which is super sad.
1: Yeah. Like the, it takes a long time to realize like, Oh, their beauty doesn't change my beauty. Mm. And you can love that. Like I personally love, you know, a. I love a good ass, you know, and and my my partner's bum is a little small and you know what? I love his too. (laughs) Absolutely. And you, it's almost, it's what makes
0: them them. And it makes you love them more even when they're, for me, when they're not, you know, fitting into this like ideal.
1: Yeah, right. And it's, you can walk by and you can comment on it. But then, yeah, there's something to knowing your partner's insecurities and being able to maybe vocalize certain things, especially when you know they're feeling vulnerable. But
0: totally, right. Yeah. Yeah, Those moments of vulnerability, I'm acting super strong right now, but like those moments of vulnerability will still just like hit me hard, you know, at times. But thank God they're, they're fleeting. Whereas before it was just so much more, it controlled me. And, you know, I, I would feed into that cycle at times. Yeah. So I'm just so grateful to not be in that place.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. after you broke free, like I I do also really know that freedom feeling. Yeah. And I I remember the one question there was, there was one person in my life that a lot of my family thought was, you know, somebody I'd be with for a lot longer than I ended up being with him for. And the one question my dad asked me after that happened, he said, do you feel better? And that's it. And I said, yes. And he's like, okay, then you made the right choice. And we never talked about it ever again. Oh, wow. Right. So that That's like, interesting. that relief, I, I relate so hard to that. And I'm curious what happened after that. Like mm-hmm. what, what did you notice in yourself after that? It was, somebody
0: asked me today about like, was that the moment of your spiritual awakening? And I was like, I don't really know if that was, that probably was the moment of my spiritual awakening was was breaking free from that engagement and god bless you pete if you ever see this of course it's not you it was just me <laughs> and uh, yeah so it's interesting because so much of this ties into my parents and just your belief system and i look back and my parents didn't really support that marriage they didn't really want me to be married to him and when i called them and i said I just don't think I can go through this with this. I, they were doing a happy dance. I just know it. And it was just kind of like, okay, we will do whatever we need to do to help you move forward. And the next steps, like we're canceling this wedding. Da, 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 da. Okay. And afterwards I do find out they were kind of like doing this happy dance. Like, yeah. so that, what that tells me is that they knew in their heart of hearts, like that wasn't part of my expression of me. And like that, you just know your kids or you feel you do. And they did. But the thing that's sad is that as parents and as full adults, as they're raising children, they didn't have the tools to support the growth on that in that aspect or, you know, shield it appropriately. And again, no sh- like shame towards them. It's just more of an observation of, where I feel like we need to go as a society Um, because they loved me. They wanted the best for me, but man, you can influence your kids when you are parenting them um, quite a bit, especially in the youngest years.
1: Welcome to the mid-roll where instead of an ad spot, I'm just coming on to say a big, huge, whopping thank you. Thank you for being here, for supporting the podcast. And I also wanted to let you know how to engage if you want to support us. Well, I say us, but um, I mean, we all know I produce, host, and do the entire podcast myself in my spare time from my full-time job. Yeah, so any and all support is absolutely amazing, Um, but I do do this because I love it. And so, yeah, firstly, please share the episode on social media, put in a little tag there of you listening, of your biggest takeaways, or share with a friend. Um, or use those fabulous like rating buttons, follow buttons, subscribe buttons, comment buttons, I don't know, whatever whatever is available on your podcast app. Just take like two seconds to do it. It would be so, so amazing. That is invaluable forms of support. Uh, we also have a brand new Patreon set up just for general support at the moment. And then there's also a second tier where I kind of put this dope mug in as an option. And that I'm not kidding you, the slogan I printed on a mug for you all, if it's your choice, if you want to go get it, It is smile if you masturbate which I promise you you won't be able to find many other places and I got that idea from a sign held up by somebody who was asking for money in the street and I absolutely loved it and it stuck with me and now it's on a mug so uh, if you want a mug it's there and um, yeah we'll be slowly adding different perks and different Amazing things to the Patreon. Um, It will be growing alongside the podcast, and getting in early will mean that you have a special place in my heart and also a special place on the Patreon. And yeah, reach out on Instagram, on TikTok. I do weird, embarrassing things on there every single day. Um, Give me an email. All the contact info is in the show notes and let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. Oh, guys, I love you so much. Thank you so much for being here. All right, uh, back to the podcast. Yeah. So I guess I didn't know that they were hiding their disapproval of your relationship with your fiance, but do you think that maybe you somehow sense that they weren't fully honest with you about their feelings around that topic? And so maybe that's why you never opened up to them or went to them about how you're feeling?
0: Yeah, probably. I, I don't know if I can quite like pinpoint the why and the lack of vulnerability and ability to be honest with myself with those topics. Um, probably just deep pain and exposing of parts that would, would, would have broke me, uh, you know, so wide that I might not have been ready for it. So that, that probably, that's a good question. Um, and one that it trust. I mean, when you think of who you trust and that is a big question, at least in my life, like who it's like, yeah, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Well, I trust you with that. I trust you with that. But like, who do you really trust? Mm-hmm. And with your deepest self. And now today, like my partner, I could tell him anything. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful expansion and,
1: and, and holding space and container. He, we give each other, which is mm-hmm. really lovely. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. And I'm just noticing that there's a wedding photo right behind your head. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> I was pregnant in that one. And that, that's like my favorite part. Yeah, Yeah. that's it's actually really special when I know that there's like all those like, oh my gosh, no, the person's pregnant and their wedding Mm -hmm. dress and all this stuff. But like that's actually so beautiful. I know. I think so too. You have your kid in the photo with
0: you. Yeah. I specifically Mm -hmm. like had it tailored under the bump so it was like highlighting the bump.
1: I love that. You don't (sighs) even need like special go and take like the pregnant photos, like no, you already have them. Never did. Never Mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: Yeah, I I remember when I was younger and this is a random comment, but um, it's bringing up so much. But when I was in like seventh and eighth grade, I remember sitting, listening to a motivational speaker at my elementary school, which is was a Catholic private school, by the way. And we were in this like assembly, which took place in the lunchroom, which is actually like the parish hall of the church. I just remember exactly where I was sitting to. And this man, he was had a disability and he was this motivational speaker. And I thought he was amazing. I was like, I want to do that for women. Like, I just want to do that for other women and you know, tell them they're amazing and beautiful and whatever it was. It was just like a thought I had in my head, and I don't think I've ever said that to anyone. It was just like this feeling of how much I I, I had already reflected on almost the the conditioning and the, the, the parts of the external world that we put onto our onto us. And then they can take you in so many different directions.
1: Yeah. So do you, do you feel like that's happening now? Is that where your life is taking you?
0: <laughs> no, no,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it shifted. So sort of, I mean, yeah, I will.
0: If somebody wants to book me for a motivational speaker for women, I'll do it. But Um, It has really shifted more towards children because I think that our influence is just so much more important in not only children, like the adults as they are today, so that we can influence children. If I could, you know, influence any sector of people, it would be giving children the foundations for, you know, inner connection and preserving that spirit Mm -hmm. that they have.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is that where you're like... That's, that's where the school parts of your, of yeah. your name comes from school of higher consciousness. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, So I used to be a kindergarten teacher before I became uh-huh. a chiropractor and when I, I just love kids. And so when I am with them, it's just like joy and I feel just this expansion, but I knew I wasn't going to be a good fit within the school system uh, for the rest of my life. So I decided to reevaluate my career path. And then I found chiropractic and that was an amazing journey for connecting into my own intuitive abilities and learning the traditional styles of adjusting a body, but then also integrating some styles that I have learned through, um, just seminars and different books that I've read and just incorporating me into the room as a provider And then I moved my practice from a really busy practice in Minneapolis, Minnesota, to a home practice once I got pregnant with my son. And that's when I was like, okay, I have a little bit different time, uh, a schedule. So how can I blend the best of both worlds? Like working with children, but not necessarily in the classroom and also influencing adults and educating people on the stuff we don't learn in traditional school, right? So we don't talk about the stuff you're bringing to the table. We don't talk about how to stay connected to the spirit to increase our emotional intelligence. We don't talk about those things, but yet there's such a part of our everyday life on so many levels. That's like, Okay, here's a. So that's what I'm doing. I'm creating a place to discuss this stuff, talk with people, learn about Reiki, learn about quantum touch. I mean, you don't have to agree with them, but let's at least learn about them. And maybe you feel called to integrating, you know, hypnotherapy into your life or chiropractic or acupuncture or, you know, so we'll learn from a variety of different healers on the podcast. And then every other episode, what I'm going to do is have a journal prompt where we just dive into your what comes up for you. Like you're asking me these questions. I'm like, I haven't thought of these forever, but it's nice to like connect in and just see what does my authentic self feel about this? Not what I think, but what do I feel about this? And so just kind of connecting into self and holding space for ourselves. And eventually I want to do more children specific, but for right now, it's like giving the tools in a variety of ways for the average person. And then maybe going deeper into kids and women in a different, like, I don't know, having series on that or offer offerings around that.
1: Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's there's so much in there and <laughs> I mean, that's, but that is so important, right? Like working with kids on mindfulness and working with kids on just all the different realms that like, I feel mm-hmm. like all of us took years and years to discover, right. right? right. We, we could have, saved ourselves so much pain if we were just shown totally. all these tools years ago. And so it's just, yeah, it's so important. I'm, I'm curious if the like school of higher consciousness was something you were working on before your podcast. Was there like a part of it um, yeah. that existed prior?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yes, actually there was. So when I was a chiropractor about four years in, I was starting to feel a little like I needed change. And I was getting this, these intuitive hits when I was working on patients. And I was like, I want to talk about the stuff that I'm experiencing that's coming through me. And I just, I don't want to do the small talk. Let's just go, let's just go there. And I was like, I need a community of people to do that with. I'm like, well, I guess I'll just create it. (laughs) So then I invited a bunch of people to join me in monthly guided meditations. And at the beginning of those meditations, I would I would educate on some realm of healing or I would bring in a guest to talk about something and, and just shine some knowledge in the group depending on the the time or the month or it would embed into the season. And then we would do a guided meditation. And so then I put, I created a website for it where people could sign up. And then eventually um, I just had these thoughts about like, I want to start putting all this information out there on the web. But then I was like, oh, the podcast might be the best means for that. Uh, so it'll kind of grow organically with both information going on the web at the same time that I'm doing podcasts
1: Nice with it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's such a natural, organic way to grow. I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been fueling to, yeah, that light inside of me, it's just like, okay, I can go for hours on this and I need to tell myself to stop.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's the flow state. That's, that's when you know yeah. you've hit something really, truly real.
0: Right. Yeah. Can I ask you um, what I remember in our first conversation that we talked about, uh, you always were gifted almost with this, you, you, you kind of didn't have to triumph and, you know, go through the same problems that somebody like me had to go through. Like you always seem to accept yourself as you were, correct?
1: I mean, I've had my bumps, but yeah, mm-hmm. generally, yes.
0: When it came to that, what would you say contributed to that the most, if you had to say? And you obviously you might not be right, but like, what do you think?
1: I, thinking back, I can't like I don't have any instances when I can really pinpoint my parents ever telling me anything bad mm-hmm. about or not like or shining like the kind of a lens on me that was. You know, like have you looked at this? Have you thought of this part of your body? Right. Like, and I think so I'm the youngest sister of two. Mm. So oh, yeah. slightly similar. And so yeah. um I was kind of and sorry, sorry mom. I know you're gonna listen to this and I know you're gonna hear this, but right. um that there was moments that I was later told between my sister and my mom that I was sheltered from, let's say, because And that had kind of a a negative self image, negative body image moments that my sister had onto her. And I wasn't part of it, if that makes sense.
0: So you were protected.
1: I think so. I think a lot of it comes from being protected by my sister. I love that. Yeah. And I don't like some of it, she did very consciously. Um, Some of it, she protected me in a way that I later went, Hey, I wanted to know that that was important information for me to know, but it was all with good heart And so she did protect me from a lot of it. And yeah, I don't know. I was just, yeah, I would look around the room and I would maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable or, you know, I I still feel uncomfortable in my own body some days, but yeah, in general, I seem to have inherited this just acceptance over what it is. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm curious about that because I put so much emphasis on the parenting piece and I'm like, that might not be everyone's story, you know, like you just because it was, it's how I'm filtering a lot of the information doesn't mean that that's like the only thing,
1: but it's a big part, right? And it's, mm-hmm. I think I take to heart the whole, I mean, I think I've heard a lot of times that it takes up until 12 ish maybe even younger. And that's when you can really mold a human based on like the nurture part, like nature, versus nurture and past that. I'm not sure you have that much influence to be honest. I think that at that point they're pretty much made.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. There is this book. I don't know what it's called, but they talked about the three phases and the first phase before six is, or before seven is like where you really have to be their prefrontal cortex. You are control. You have to control a lot more for them, and then from like seven to twelve or thirteen, it's um, the garden stage. You're just watering what you what you created in that first seven years, and then in the teenage years, um, it's where you guide. And they said that when you have trauma growing up you sometimes flip the top and the bottom of that and the toddler stage people tend to guide if they have trauma and then they try to over-control the adolescent and teenager phase.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that can cause its own problems. You've given a toddler too much authority and then you are trying to control a, a person who is a full-on person now.
1: Oh, that's that's actually a very good way of explaining parenting in like such a concise little moment. <laughs> oh, i am going to remember that one. If I ever have kids. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, and I think when you touched on trauma, it's like, Oh, right. Okay. That's maybe what I should have said in general. When you asked me that question was, I don't think I, I didn't, I didn't have any trauma mm, growing up. That's like amazing. there was, yeah, no, wow, none, really that's
0: so amazing.
1: Hey guys, Editing Chris. I pop in once in a while and try to hide it from you that I'm here, but uh, here I'm just being very blatant because for the rest of the conversation, this information won't come up and it'll seem like Gina just disregarded this, but um, it's not. It's just me, hi, Editing Chris, coming in and I just wanted to pop in and speak to you um, to correct myself here now that I've had some time to think about it and now that I've heard that response. What I really want to emphasize in my response to Gina's question here is that I don't have any trauma that I can remember. And I don't have any trauma specifically around my body image that's stuck with me. Of course, I feel negatively toward my body sometimes. I was bullied as a kid and the subject of that bullying varied quite a bit. I would feel uncomfortable with my body in a changing room sometimes. I always fixate on my stomach and that little piece of extra blubber, which of course is totally normal, um, wouldn't ever seem to go away. Of course, I looked away from the mirrors some morning, um, although I'm getting really good at my morning naked mirror dance practice these days, Um, ask me about it, it's super fun. Of course, I have parts of myself that I am a little uncomfortable with, but I have a good mindset around them and I can't remember anything negative from my childhood or youth stuck with me in this area in particular. I have other stuff. Oh, don't you worry, I am not above it all. I have one of my main blocks from my childhood is a need to feel intelligent because of where I perceive putting people putting my worth when I was a kid. It was a whole thing. Um, and I'm sure we can get into that later too. But for now, yeah, I just wanted to come back in and state that for the record, me saying a blanket statement like I had no trauma is just wrong and uncomfortable to hear my voice saying. So I'm correcting this. I do have trauma, but I have no lasting trauma about my body from my childhood. And I think that what always trumped any feelings I could have had around being maybe a little larger than others um, in terms of my physical body slowly turned into pride about my curvy, beautiful body piece by piece, moment by moment. I learned to really embrace that beauty um, and really, really love it. And then I think what it ultimately came down to too, was that I've always loved myself so much. I have I just love being me. I love being in my mind and in my thoughts and having my place on this earth, one filled with so much privilege and love and opportunity and joy. And I have always loved who I am so much, like so, so much, that I could never imagine wanting to be anyone else. And like the thought of not being me anymore is the scariest thought ever to me. And it's hard to explain this deep, inherent love, but it has been with me for as long as I can remember. It is the first building block of my radiance, and it is one of the many reasons that I wanted to start this podcast. And I hope I explain that in some way that you can understand. And uh, yeah, so anyways, back to the podcast.
0: When you think of that, do you ever wish you had any?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do I ever wish I hadn't what? Yeah. Do you ever wish you had trauma? to have grown from i mean sometimes right (laughs) like sometimes like it's like oh yeah what was the inspiration i was always this way right like it's it's kind of like it it, there's a lack of a story there which some people find interesting which is nice it's like being like my my heritage is canadian like five generations back and that's kind of rare because most people are either like this generation Canadian or their parents are came here, right? Like it's, it's not an old country. It's really young. And so being five generations here is, is rare and it can be a little boring, right? It's like the anti origin (laughs) story. Like where did your ancestors come from? Well, Canada right? and then the farm and then maybe Ireland at some point, but that was a long way back. A long time ago. I've been here for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so I mean, obviously I do have some traumas in my life, but none of them were young enough to really affect me, I think. So yeah, yeah it's, uh, no, I, I I don't wish trauma on anyone. <laughs> I
0: know I don't either,
1: but it is important to have something to grow from, right? It's like always needing something to edit almost. Even well, you've heard this quote, I bet,
0: but they say like pain pushes you until vision pulls you. So maybe you just are able to dive into your vision a little sooner and, you know, go there and then bring people there with you and- make an impact in that way and not project your pain (laughs) to your vision, like the rest of us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, I feel like I've maybe created my own pain just because of lack of sometimes, right. Like you, you start being like, yeah, maybe, but like not, not completely, but there's definitely, I don't know there. I think there's, that's more of like tiny, tiny pieces that when left unchecked can really start to snowball and start to become something a lot larger. Mm -hmm. like inflammation or, right. That's a physical example, but also like, like a repetitive thought that's in your mind that you really know shouldn't be there, but then you feed too much yes, and then that kind of snowballs. yeah. And so that I like, I have a whole bunch of stuff like that in my life that I struggle with, but yeah, nothing that's like, Oh, this is childhood trauma. Okay.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a, that's an interesting way of putting it because the more you feed that Trauma when you're young, the bigger that trauma is, and maybe like if we were to have my mom on here, she'd be like, eh, it wasn't that bad, you know, like you never know. Like, or my sister's like, mm. you don't know, but all I know is what I felt, and what I felt is that was big at the time. And so, regardless of other people's perception of that trauma, but the more you feed it, the more like what I'm trying to say is the more it it, it is in your head, and So if you really go back there and back to think how big it was, maybe it isn't as big as I'm even thinking it was, you know?
1: Others will probably not remember it the same way you do, right? That's why we all remember things so differently, which I think is fascinating, right? It's like you have highlighted this one thing in your mind that somebody else doesn't even remember. No. Right? Right. It's it's really hard in terms of, I think of this one person who, I mean, I, I, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's say it straight out. There's a person that was in a group of friends of mine from a couple years ago who I would use the word sexual assault. Hmm. Um, and I don't know that he would even remember that it happened to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, I mean, once it happened, I never spoke to him again and I tried to get help from those friends and mm-hmm. none of them would. I don't know. the The response was terrible, and so I left it all. And I just, yeah. I, I think I saw him one time after that, and he was like, "Oh wow, I haven't seen you in so long." And I was like, "Hmm." And I just left. <laughs> like right. I just, I just wasn't willing to deal with it. But that is really painful to think about sometimes. Is sure. I think that's the sure. worst part of it is that our recollections are going to be so different. Right. That sometimes I think that I could go confront him, but then I'm like. Is that actually healthy? Is that actually something I'm trying to do to heal? Or am Mm -hmm. I just trying to make a point to try to make him remember it? Because I doubt he does.
0: Right, right. That's an interesting one. Well, and it brings me back to you not having any trouble when you're young. I think what that allows you to do is also have stronger boundaries when you are put in situations that you feel uncomfortable with. It's like you have, I don't know if this is true, but I would imagine it's easier to have like, a stronger sense of self-worth at an earlier age, if you didn't have those like body issues when you're younger. And so it's kind of like, you've patterned that you've watered that pattern for your whole life is like, no, this is who I am. This is what I'm worth. And, and then, so when something crosses that line, I would imagine like you call that out where I wonder, however many people wouldn't have called that sexual assault, right? Like that's, that line, you, you have a nice firm um, boundary of what you allow and what you don't allow.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. I don't really have much more to say on it, to be honest, right, but right. I thought it was a very it was a moment. It was a moment. And mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely, I mean, as any time that sort of thing has happened to me, it hasn't happened that many, but I can count a few that it it took me longer than it should have for me to realize, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It was, it took yeah, longer to call it what it was longer to realize what it was. Like I knew I wasn't okay with it, but you can't really. Yeah. And then yeah. once you realize it, you can start to label it, I guess you can start to unpack it. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That's true. Well, and it's interesting because I haven't talked about these things that you're asking me in a sequential order, which is probably why I'm stumbling on all my words, but ever. But what's so cool is that you couldn't have asked me to do this 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and to be able to label and unpack it over the years and the work that I've done feels so good that it's just like, oh, just, it wasn't necessary in the first place, but how nice it is to get on the other side of that.
1: Yeah. it's And it's really incredible to hear you work through it and you can really I can hear how much introspection you've had and how much you've thought about these things and how yeah. much you've unpacked it. And it's just so right. evident in right. your, and how you talk about it. And yeah, the way you're able to, cause you can't label those things unless you've had some real time to think about it.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, right. There's another moment that just popped up in my memory is like the dreaded bikini. Did you ever have a bikini issues? No, you didn't, because you didn't grow up with trauma. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> I mean, no, I did, I did. Oh yeah. Oh, you know my okay. my most so uncomfortable. Oh yeah, like my most uncomfortable moments. part of my body is my stomach, and it always like bothers okay. me. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh no, no, no. I'm not like oh yeah, but no. Like I've I have definitely felt uncomfortable in my body, but I've been able to be like oh well, this is how I'm going to feel comfortable. I'm gonna wear this instead. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Right. And like found the coping strategy to make it work for you. Yeah. Well, see so what I've done is tried to go the other, the, the like through it, like in the going on a bear, huh? trying not to go over it or under it. I'm trying to just go through it. <laughs> and so now today I'm like, I'm wearing a bikini. I may have labeled myself XYZ X amount of years ago, but now it's like, no, I'm just not doing that. Like, this is like me and I love it all and all that. Right. And yeah, I, I part of me even was about to say like, and I'm not that big. And, and I was like, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, so it's still there in some ways to even like, feel like I have to put some disclaimer on it. Don't worry. I'm, I'm not that big. <laughs> like, What? Why would that even pop into my head? Like, it's because it's still there. So I've worked through this stuff, but it's still there. Um, But that's the beautiful part is like, I'll just try to go through it. And those, I guess, when you go back to ask how you had asked, like, how are you an example for your kid? Like those things, it's just like, no, I feel good in this. This is what I prefer.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you, I'm thinking back, you mentioned that after you had, and this is like, like half an hour ago in the conversation, but there was this moment where you said that you came out you realize that when you came out of your engagement mm-hmm. and you broke from that, that's when you were really able to find this inner place and mm-hmm. you were able to like mm-hmm. go along that journey. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if we could come back to that. I'd love yeah. to hear like, you mentioned before you fell into like self-love practices. Yeah. I'd love to know what those are and like yeah. what, yeah. All right. <sighs> I think
0: when you take a risk, To call off an engagement, you are surrendering to something. And you're allowing whatever it is to be the repercussions, the consequences of that. And knowing that freedom and there's some form of peace that is more worth the consequences of what you're losing or what you perceive you're losing or you're leaving behind. When you take a risk to do something like that, there's something that comes with that. It's like a superpower. And luckily I had support. So there was some just immediate feelings of this is what I need to do. And there was a lot of like soul journeying and again, like almost like the spiritual awakening. And it was around the same time that I had left my teaching profession and I, it felt similar to when I left that teaching job. Like those were two really monumental decisions that I had made and risks I'd taken. I remember my little kindergartner, Kelly Larson, she looked at me with her big brown eyes. She's giving me her art project and I'm putting it into the drying rack. And I look at her and I just started crying. And I was like, this is it. I can't do this anymore. And it had nothing to do with her. It was just like, this is it. I knew in my heart, something needed to change. And I went to the principal that day and I said, I can't renew my contract at the end of the year. And I'm so sorry, but I just, I just can't. And so this kind of went hand in hand with the, um, with the engagement that I called off. And it was then that I literally just like left the place I was living. I moved and I started exploring and that's when I fell into the self-care practices. I, I, somebody had recommended, I see a chiropractor. I'd never gone to a chiropractor. And the person I had seen, I was just so fortunate. I found her because she like aligned your mind, body, soul. She did so many things besides just adjust the body, which is the type of practice that I have now. I see people for like an hour, an hour and a half. It wasn't just like an adjustment. And I just was like, opened up to Pandora's box. Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. I didn't know this stuff existed. I want to know about applied kinesiology emotional release techniques these nutritious practices that you are bringing to my awareness and i started reading some books and it was like excuse me your life is waiting was one of them and it was all about like following your feelings and i i did realize in reading that book so many of my feelings had been denied as a child um and so it was just like so many light bulbs were turning on so I just fell into this part of my life after leaving a very constricted and confined life that I had been living and choosing to live and putting myself in without knowing what was going to be kind of on the other side of that, but trusting that there was something calling me into that process. So that is my self-care practices today look very different than what they did then. Um, like when I used to work out, it was more for like vanity. And now it's like, for health and flexibility and a little bit of like chi moving through the body. Yeah. And so my self-care practice today align more with like making sure I have a really practiced morning ritual and that my thoughts are right because I know how much those influence your emotions. And I want to be in integrity with what I'm thinking and how I move through my day and I definitely think movement and as a chiropractor, I know that movement like physically is so important, but also energetically. And I'm also an acupuncturist. So it's like getting that chi moving through all the meridians is just so massively important for your, your health and the balance of everything.
1: Wow, I love how you moved from, oh yeah, I didn't know what any of these things were to, I went to one appointment and then I read all the books and then I became a practitioner it's so crazy. I, I had that.
0: no idea. Like, and looking back at it now, it can sound like this cute little story, but at the time it was like, I'm sure I'm going to do that. Yeah. I think I'm going to do that. Like, it's just a process. It's such like a heavy time in your life. And you didn't know how many blocks were going to be built on top of that decision. And I guess every moment we have that ability to change and build blocks on top of a new decision.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it can definitely feel like, yeah, at the time, it's the whole world crashing down on you. And then yeah. years later, you tell the story and you can just box it up so nice. You're like, right. okay, yeah, exactly. this is this and that's yeah. what happened. <laughs> right. Anyone can do it. No, it takes courage, grit, a little bit of,
0: you know, a lot of bravery and just connecting into that inner pull that you
1: feel and just letting that grow. Yeah. That and flame. I, and I, yeah. And I really, really love how you said like your, your self-love changed from like, it was just the intention behind it. It mm-hmm. wasn't that you were doing these actions. Like it's not about going for the run. It's not about doing the meditation. It's, it's the intention that you put behind it and the reason why you're doing it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's such a buzzword now, but it's yeah. it, buzzwords are important for a reason, like falling into that feminine energy. And just allowing life to happen a little bit more rather than trying to control it and forge through. We condition kids to do that. We condition ourselves to do that. And you produce, you have to put so much effort into things. And sure, there's stuff that comes through efforting, but there's so much beauty in just sitting back and and putting the pieces together and seeing where they lie and working with that waking up and
1: just trusting. Absolutely. Yeah. Knowing when to be in your feminine flow and when to be in your masculine. Mm-hmm. Is there an adjective that goes there? Right. In the masculine effort. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Were you, would you say you feel quite balanced in the feminine and masculine? Because everyone has their own like balance, but would you say you're
1: quite balanced in yours? Hmm. I'd say spiritually, yes, but from like an action standpoint, maybe no, Mm -hmm. because like I've always been very in tune with my masculine side in terms of, and I've mentioned it a lot more lately, I think in terms of, you know, like I, I express my masculine side a lot. I guess that that's it. Like spiritually, I like express it. I will, you know, dress androgynously. I'll, you know find out my boobs and, and hide them and, and wear some men's clothing, you know, sure. sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love that. And I feel so strong and powerful in a very different way than when I'm mm. very feminine and powerful, yeah. but when it comes to like, I'm very good at just kind of like being in my feminine flow and just going with the day, but I'm often really bad at, you know, sitting and doing my work for the hours on end and, and getting the yeah. stuff done. So.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I just think kind of the awareness of where it's not working for you or when you feel like something's not working for you, then it's like, let's evaluate those energy shifts versus like, I have to do X, Y, Z to be in my feminine flow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, well, if it's working, if you're, if you're then leave it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think right? we're all kind of overcorrecting maybe a little bit there. Like you find yeah. out this new thing and you're like, Oh, I should try that. I should right. like yeah. Like, I think that's, again, so important to like teach kids about all these tools so totally. that they don't have to go like be pulled in all these directions. Like if you don't mm-hmm. want needles stuck into you, then that's not for you. It's not going to relax you. <laughs> you don't if have to you- do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do it. Yeah.
0: That's so true. I, yeah. And to train kids, oh gosh, yeah. I just going to go back to that, but I won't say it repeat myself. i 700 times.
1: Well, but it's, it's important and I'm so, so happy you're doing it. And well, it's been, it's been wonderful chatting and I was uh, to, to end it off, to yeah cap it off. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to say anything that you'd like to, to leave people with?
0: I absolutely love your voice
1: and I love what you're doing. I
0: think reclaim your radiance is such a an amazing umbrella for people to share their story like I totally came on to talk a little bit about like my my experience with identity and and body image a little bit um and then I'm here talking about all this other stuff so uh I just thank you for the space I really I, I really appreciate it
1: you're welcome that means a lot thanks so much for joining on this week's episode of reclaim your radiance I hope you enjoyed your time with us and you came away with something truly valuable. If you want more and simply cannot wait until next week, come join us online. We have a couple of really exciting communities that are being built. First, we have a Facebook community with the name Reclaim Your Radiance that is free to join where we talk about all sorts of topics related to the podcast and tons that aren't. It's a community of like-minded souls who want to dive deeper into these things. Second, we also have a Patreon. So come along and join us for some extra content, regular community meetups, fun mugs, one-on-one time with yours truly, and so much more. And finally, if neither of those are your jam, you can also sign up for a mailing list to receive occasional bonus content, episode updates, key takeaways, and once again, so much more. Head on over to the episode notes and show description to find those links, and I hope to see you online soon. Alright everyone, until next week, stay radiant.